from Matthew. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience of me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the good news. Please be seated. Last week, you heard the beginning of this story on the heels of Jesus teaching about how to deal with conflict in community. As you heard Pastor Josh delight in, Jesus, for one of the very few times in Scripture, laid out some practical steps, an easy guide, a how-to on helping folks find reconciliation and forgiveness with an offender through prayer and healthy conversation and community. And so now that story ends where we pick up today and Peter responds to that by asking, we should forgive seven times, right, Jesus? As if that were like an outlandish number, seven times, can you even believe? I think, I think, not Peter, I think Peter was probably trying to score some points by sounding extra gracious, seven times. But he immediately missed the point by putting a limit, even a large limit, on how often mercy should be offered because God's grace is either limitless or it's not grace at all. And it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if maybe Peter didn't understand God's grace in his own life. You know that phrase, hurt people hurt people? We've all heard this, right? I kind of wonder after today's story if we could maybe twist that a little and say people who don't believe they can be forgiven don't forgive people. Maybe Peter didn't fully get what it meant to be completely beloved by a God who would never, ever, ever, ever hold his brokenness against him. And so this morning, I wanna just take a minute and allow us to kind of soak in what grace from God truly looks like. 
Throughout scripture, from the very beginning, we see story after story of God's people breaking relationship with God. They turned away from the one who rescued them on more than one occasion. They worshiped anything else that seemed even remotely interesting or even sadly sometimes even just remotely shiny. They disregarded the boundaries that God had set up to help them live abundant life together. Over and over again, the people fell short of love and trust, convinced that they knew better than what God could offer them. And while there are natural consequences for those actions, which we'll circle back to later, God never abandoned them. God never gave up on them. God never cursed them and said that they were no longer beloved. God continued to show grace upon grace and give chance upon chance. God refused to let them go even when they broke God's heart. Scripture also says that there is nothing new under the sun, and friends, I am so sad to say it, but we as God's beloved have not changed all that much. Sadly, or actually, Thankfully, God has also not changed. Forgiveness still abounds. If you've been following Pastor Josh's um, sharing on social media and elsewhere, he wrote this ebook during his Sabbath uh, for daily scripture memory verses that we can all be studying together. Today's verse proves this point so beautifully from Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. Let's say it together so maybe we can actually memorize it and commit it together, right? So, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. We are loved by the kind of God who forgives without calculation or score. We are loved not because of what we do or don't do, what we say or don't say, but simply because we exist, period. God made us. God delights in us. God refuses to let anything get in the way of that love, even transgressions. And only because I'm a really good listener, I just heard a question up front about what is a transgression. So I'm just going to go ahead and say transgressions are sins. So anything that breaks relationship with God. Does that help? Okay. That's a good question. You can ask it louder next time. I'm okay with that. God refuses to let anything anything get in the way of God's love. And because of this love, God will always offer us forgiveness. And not to like guilt us into being better, like I'll forgive you if you shape up. God doesn't forgive us to lord it over us about how worthless we are without God's mercy. God simply forgives because God wants to be in really good relationship with us. And God wants to move us toward abundant life and forgiveness affords us a chance at both. Which means that forgiveness, if truly believed and truly received, is a life-saving, life-changing gift. But because God is God and we are not, we can't ever pay that back. We can't ever pay back grace to God. And I don't think we're required to. I think the point of grace, I think the point of God's kingdom is to pay it forward. As we receive the promise of God's forgiveness, I can hear Jesus' common refrain in the Gospels echoing out, go and do likewise. 
So the parable from today isn't some simple moral story to be taken word for word as if God is this angry parent who will withhold forgiveness when we act poorly because that would take God's forgiveness right back to calculation and score, right back to limited grace. Rather, as parables sometimes are, I think it's a warning story meant to shake us up, meant to get us, get our attention and show us how quickly we can create an unjust world when we forget our own forgiveness, when we take it for granted or when we hoard it as if there's somehow not enough forgiveness to go around. The parable is meant to jar us, to open us up to remember whose we are and where we have come from. That first servant in the story had racked up a literal lifetime of debt. The number chosen was the the largest number that was available in writing at that time. It was literally an unpayable sum that he owed. And he was forgiven completely. It was just wiped away as if it was nothing. It hearkens us back, it's meant to, to the Old Testament, to the year of Jubilee. There was this year that happened every once in a while in your lifetime, maybe once if you were lucky, when all debts were canceled, completely wiped away no matter the size, so that whoever owed them might finally be able to breathe and have a chance of new life because otherwise they would never, ever, ever be able to dig themselves out of that hole. This parable is meant to show us that in the kingdom of God, we are given the year of jubilee over and over again. And once our eyes are opened to this extravagant, relentless, maybe even ridiculous grace that washes over us daily, maybe as we really begin to believe and receive that, we can turn around and start splashing it all over everybody else because we see it for the precious gift that it is. The parable reminds us that forgiveness and freedom are contagious. So if we aren't offering them to other people, it probably means that we've forgotten what it means in our own lives. The place where I think we get caught up or hung up on forgiveness, because as Pastor Josh reminded us last week, it is really hard and it seems like it should be really easy. And I think the reason for that is that we equate forgiveness with pretending it never happened, right? Those are very different things. Forgiveness doesn't mean that everything goes back to normal. It doesn't mean that we just sweep the pain and the problem under the rug and pretend it didn't cause harm. It doesn't mean that we continue on in a relationship and allow it to keep causing harm. Forgiveness comes with accountability. It comes with those natural and appropriate consequences. Forgiveness comes with change. Forgiveness is a life-saving, life-changing gift because it compels us toward repentance, toward course correction, repair, reparation, and growth. In other words, God's forgiveness moves us toward justice. Mercy and justice work best hand in hand. As God forgives, God is also calling us towards something better, something more holy, something more whole, something more life-giving for everyone. 
And so when we forgive, it means moving that relationship or that situation toward justice in some way. It means inviting change, inviting growth. We all know, though, that on times the offender might not be ready to make that move, right? And that's hard. It's also on them. It's their choice. The Romans text that we heard reminds us that we don't get to judge where they're at. We don't get to coerce them to change, most unfortunately. Just that we simply get to offer grace and space for them to work for justice. And then the rest is up to the Holy Spirit to stir up change in their hearts and in their lives. And sometimes, because this world exists with abuse and oppression, and so I want to be extra, extra clear, sometimes forgiveness means loving somebody from a very safe distance. Because God also gave us a brain and asked us to use it. Okay? I want to be really clear about that. But there can still be forgiveness. There can still be mercy. There can still be invitation to work for justice. Of course, it's really easy to read this parable and think of the hundreds of times that we've been wronged. Mm, that person. I hear you, Jesus. I guess I'm going to have to forgive them. What's even harder than that is reading this pure parable and remembering the times that we have been the offender the ways that we need to be working for justice? When have we been the ones hoping that being forgiven meant sweeping it under the rug instead of owning up to it? When have we been the ones hoping that the other wouldn't judge us for the broken choices we made, but instead offered us a second chance? When we see the fullness of the gift of forgiveness and the ways that we desperately need it in our lives, do we, like Peter, really think that seven times per person is sufficient? Or are we maybe ready to lean into more of that limitless forgiveness that comes without calculation and score? And so with that in mind, I want to offer one final note. We have considered the question that if we are forgiven and loved, who are we to withhold forgiveness and love to somebody else? I want to offer a reminder that you consider this question as well. If we are forgiven and loved, who are we to withhold forgiveness and love to ourselves? Because I think that's another place we get hung up so easily, right? Siblings, I want you to hear the difference. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Yes? There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. If we need to go out after today and seek out forgiveness, let us be courageous enough to do so, but then let us also trust that it's truly ours and that we are truly free. God does not want, abundant life does not look like us clinging to the guilt and the shame that take up so much residence in our minds and in our bodies Shed those bindings, friends. Those are not for you. And focus your energy instead on the new life you are called to. Mercy is yours, and there is justice work to do. And so this morning, instead of ending with a prayer, I want to end with the words 
that we hear as we confess our sins and receive forgiveness from a loving and merciful God. And so if it feels safe and comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes. If not, that's okay. And take a deep breath and hear these words for you. Beloved in Christ, God's justice stretches beyond all understanding. God's compassion is beyond compare. In Jesus, God is always making a new way for us. In Christ, you are already and always forgiven. Amen.